Happy Friday. Welcome back in to the Heffin' Dan On Demand on the fan.com podcast. I am this week's, I don't know what you want to call it, host, the leader, the the protege, the the guy. The god. The no. No. I, I don't deserve to be in that right. Okay. I'm Evan Heffelfinger. I'm a producer on the Bill Michaels show and recently a couple of days at Chuck and Winkler and pretty much just wherever the hell they want to stick me. You are? I'm Daniel Plucker. I'm the executive producer of the Wendy's Big Show. Also, today, the yeah. the associate producer of the Bill Michaels Show. That's right. Today, I was Joe. I was the executive That's producer. That's true. Evan and I have had just a very long day today. So, yeah, I uh, didn't know that I was going to be doing Chuck and Winkler today until about 9 o'clock last night when Ryan sent me the uh, rundown and it scared me. Right, the rundown, for those who don't know, it's the schedule for the show. We have a schedule layout for every single show, so everybody's on the same page. Everybody knows what uh, topics, what topics coming are coming up. Guess, that's how we, that yeah, stuff. that's how we schedule out our tweets, do all that kind of stuff. But So that scared me, because uh, immediately that means, hey, you get to wake up at 4 in the morning and uh, come just into a dream. work. Oh, it's so much fun. It reminds me of the days when I would uh, open at Home Depot at 5 in the morning. That was fun. Uh, but... So yeah, I woke up at about 4 o'clock this morning, about 3.45, made it into work at 5. I uh, I was there from about 5, and then because I was doing uh, Joe's work as he's in Door County and then heading to the Rose Bowl. In Pasadena. In Pasadena. Right. He has his own That's podcast, right. even. If you go to the Bill Michaels uh, tab on both Bill's site and uh, 105.7 FM, The Fan, you can hear his podcast called, I think it was the Pasadena, Pasadena Preview. Yeah. But because I was doing Joe's job, I was here from 5 a.m. to 4 p.m., and uh, you pretty much had the exact same day. Yep. I was here uh, to for Bill's show, got here at 9.30, and I've been here ever since right now. It is 7.50 on Friday night when we're kind of starting this podcast. Yeah. And uh, our goal with this thing is kind of to- uh, You can watch us slowly descend into madness. It's true. That's, that's what you're going to see from us today, and our goal is to kind of have- to kind of be the fan and the sports content that you would get during the week on the fan on your weekends. Sure. So we're like our Friday recap show, also kind of previewing what's coming up this next week, and overall good content, I would think. I would hope so. I, I mean, we're both incredibly funny. We are like the funniest people on the face of this earth, so it only makes sense that you're joining us here on this Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, or three years in the future. I don't know. Yeah, Find who us. knows? Find this us. This is where... archived on uh, 1057fmthefan.com. On the radio.com app as well. Under the, the free, free, the free radio.com app. You can also rewind live radio on there. That's, That's pretty freaking cool. Mm-hmm. All right, so, so we're starting off the show a little bit weird today. So uh, we had a Panda Express before the show. That's right. You know, it was payday, so we got to treat ourselves. And we get fortune cookies. And they gave us three. We both had one, and we realized how dumb that was because we could have saved them for the podcast. Right. So we're going to open up this podcast. You can hear a little bit of ASMR. Just go like, oh, I'm opening up the package. <laughs> oh, look at this cookie. Wait, crack the cookie right in the mic. Oh. oh. <laughs> that was great. Okay, so this fortune. Is there not a fortune? <laughs> You're so... <laughs> Me. <laughs> so this fortune was going to tell us how the show would, was going to be going. Damn it! And, then, and there's no fortune in the fortune cookie. It was such a fantastic idea. It was a great idea. And so we were going to say, this fortune cookie is going to tell us how this show is going to go. 
and then we open it, and there's no fortune. That's remarkable. That is unbelievable that that would happen to I, us. I, I want to imagine that it was in there, and then the second we decided that that was how it, <laughs> like, the podcast was going to go, it was just like, eh, well, okay, peace. And we had three of them, and, and the we one each, yeah. we the one we don't pick to eat right away does not have a fortune in it. That's ridiculous. That is insane. Do you want to do some ASMR crunching right yes, now? Yes, let's do some ASMR crunching. That one sounded like you had a nice little tortilla chip there. The nicest of tortilla chips. Just a reminder, we are in sports radio, not ASMR. <laughs> I don't think we're very good at it either. Right now we're just so, chewing on it. While air. we're eating this chip and talking to you, why did I call it a chip? It's, it's a, cookie. a cookie. It's pretty much a chip. While we're talking to you, we wanted to start out this show on a little bit of a somber note in a way. Uh, well, first off, hope you all had a Merry Christmas. Yes. Uh, and you and have happy a, holidays. And have a happy New Year coming up. That's right. Um, for some people, it was not a great Christmas because of the Milwaukee Bucks. They did not look very good in that game until the fourth quarter against the Sixers. They fell 121-109. to It was probably Giannis's worst game as a pro. The Sixers tied a franchise record for threes made in a game. And at times they were down like 35 points. It was just not a great game, Dan. Yeah, it was horrible. And I was here for the Bucks post game show, and it was just, it was terrible. I mean, Billy and I were just sitting there because we're like, it's Christmas Day, man. Like, if the Bucks are going to play, they might as well win. Right. And not put on their worst performance of the season. Because it was their worst performance, but to make Easily. it even to make it even worse than it being their worst performance, it was the 76ers' best performance of the year by far. And it was against the Sixers in general. Right. It, the, the Sixers are just they're just the worst. I hate the 76ers. Yep. Because I'm not a big fan of Joel Embiid. I think he is just a cocky little bitch. Um and we said we we're going to try to keep this PG and I already broke the, that rule. Anyway, it's okay. I'm not a big fan of Ben Simmons because, I don't know, he's also just like an ass. So are you ready for this? Me and my friends, we figured out that he's basically just a better Michael Carter-Williams. Right. A taller, better Michael Carter-Williams. He's a more athletic Michael Carter-Williams. Who also happens to be 6'10". Right. He's a a great passer, great Mm -hmm. defender because he's 6'10 and athletic. The man is scared to shoot a jump shot. He can't shoot a jump shot. Can't shoot 70% from three. You know, he can put up all the stats he wants in the regular season. When it comes to the playoffs, his ass is getting shut down, which has happened the past couple of years. Exactly. It's, I mean, the Sixers are my second least favorite team. Number one is the Rockets. It's not even close. Don't even get me started on James Harden. I'll do an hour on just how much I We said we are going to do that. Okay, next week. Next week we'll do the James Harden talk because we said last week we are going to do it next week. I hate his ass. Yeah, James Harden is just both of one of our least favorite players in the NBA, if not the are both of our least favorite overall. So we wanted to pose a little question to you guys. Does that loss scare you? We've kind of been talking about it on the, all of the shows throughout the week, but I wanted to just kind of gauge the audience. Does this loss scare you? Are you worried now the Bucks are 0-3 against the Heat, the Celtics, and the Sixers? Does that scare you, Dan? Yes. Uh, and most people are going to say no, and I think that they have a valid point. However, I'm on the side of this is this is a little worrisome. Um, I'm not as worried about the Heat and the Celtics because that's just one game, and so is this. But this was a statement game. It's Christmas Day. It's national television. It's the Philadelphia 76ers, who everybody, 
in the country is saying is the Bucks' biggest rival for the East this year. Right. And so you go out against them and you lay an egg. And not only do you lay an egg, but your best player and the MVP of the NBA has a horrific game. And I, I think it his it was his worst game of his career. Probably. Probably. I think that's a, a fair assessment based on what he should be and what they kept him to. Right. And and I think that's really the main point that I'm making here is the 76ers have done exactly what the Toronto Raptors did last year. They built a they roster built to stop Giannis. A roster to stop Giannis and to reach the NBA Finals. Well, and that was a big thing with them getting Al Horford because they showed the graphic during the game that against the rest of the league, Giannis is shooting like 60%. Against Al Horford last year, he was shooting like 38%. Exactly, and that's exactly why they went out went out and got Al Horford. And people were like, oh, well, that's kind of a weird signing because there's no way you're going to put him and Embiid on at the court at the same time. And if you do, it's going to be really weird because both of them are okay at the three-point line, but neither of them are good. And if you want to stretch the floor, which I agree with. Mm -hmm. But the 76ers bet on themselves that they were good enough with all of their other pieces, which they are, that adding Al Horford for one purpose of stopping Giannis is going to propel them to the NBA Finals. And Christmas Day, that proved that they were right. Mm -hmm. Because, and it's not just Al Horford, because you have Al Al, Al Horford on him for the most part of the game, but you can also switch for a bigger guy with Embiid. You can also switch to a smaller, more athletic guy with Ben Simmons. Tobias Harris can guard him if none of those three are on the court, if they're taking a break and Giannis comes in. And they completely, completely shut him down. Yeah. So I, I have some some thoughts. I, I don't want to give Giannis the benefit of the doubt. He They showed during the game that he was dealing with a back injury. I don't want to say that was the problem, and I'm not going to give him any excuses because it was just flat out a poor game. He shot 8 for 27, 0 for 7 from the three-point line. Right. He just he did not look like Giannis. And I, but at the same time, the Sixers still don't scare me, scare me. Like, I, I think that it will end up being them the two seed, us the one seed in the Eastern Conference Finals. Right. But I, like I tweeted on Twitter at Evan, Evan Heff 25 we should probably start plugging ourselves. Yes, I'm at Dan Plucker on Twitter. D-A-N-P-L-O-C-H-E-R is how you spell my last Bill name. Bill knows your Twitter now, too, because I told it to yeah, him. Yeah, I saw that on the Facebook Messenger. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, wait, you were creeping on my Facebook Messenger? Well, I mean... You you left the room. Wow. And I went to run the board for like a second when you asked me to. Wow. And your Facebook was open That's and fair. Facebook Messenger was open. And I w- there was a message to Bill that said Daniel's Twitter page is at Dan Plucker. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, so I wasn't fair, creeping. He, he asked me, so it wasn't me just doing really? it. Really? Because, you know, he did likes he ever, to- But did he ever actually say it? Probably not. Because I, I don't think he, he knows how to say my last name. I, I, I told him multiple times, I said, Dan Plucker. Okay. And he when I told him that, he was like, Dan Plucker, how are we looking? Did or, he really? Or it was something like that, or it was like, a, how about that? Or like, a, it was something <laughs> like that. That's so weird. See, okay, so my, my big thing is, Bill's a great guy, but I was wondering if he knew my name this whole time, because I've been going up to Green Bay for the Lodge Cooler kickoff. This is a segue, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he said my name maybe a couple times here and there. But never like consistently where he remembered my name every time he's seen me. Sure. Even though I've worked here for like seven or eight months now. Right. So that's that's been an inside joke with myself. It's like, huh, I wonder if Bill remembers my name today. Well, that that was a funny thing. I was his intern three days a week and then I worked with him. He didn't know my name probably until I started working on that show 
three months ago. Right. And I was intern on a show as well for a couple of months, for six months. So anyway. Yeah. So back anyway, to Bucks and the Bucks. The Bucks, right. So I, I think it's gonna be Bucks Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals. I agree. But I tweeted out I, I don't see any way the series goes past six games, and I, I think the Bucks will take that. And the biggest thing for me is, one, they're not going to shoot 50% from three. They're one of the worst teams in the league in shooting the three ball. You're right. They don't have any shooters. Uh, I mean, who's their best shooter? It's probably Tobias Harris. Probably. Who hasn't been great. Firkin Cormats isn't going to shoot, you know. Five of five or whatever he was. No, he's not going to be doing that. Embiid himself. His numbers this year are, I think he's like a 33, 34% shooter. Right. And that's because he'll go a game where he shoots five for six, and then he'll go one for nine. He is not consistent on that shot at all, and he loves it way too much. So, I mean, he's like um, Josh Smith in that way, if you remember right. Josh Smith. Of course I remember Josh Smith. Jay Smooth, pi- Jay Smooth, one of my favorite players ever. Yeah, that contract that the, the Pistons, Pistons gave him gave was him. not phenomenal. No. But... I, I think Al Horford was a phenomenal pickup for them. I do think that Al Horford, you know, let me get my little bitching at the refs thing out of here. I think he grabs Giannis and gets away oh, with I it. I agree with you, hundred percent. I think that Giannis was not being called incredibly fairly in I that agree. game, but Giannis still played horribly. So that was that's not an excuse for everything, right? So I'm going to counteract your pretty much, in my opinion, your, your two biggest arguments. Okay, so one is that Giannis was hurt slash just didn't play well, which mm-hmm. is true. But how much of that was the 76ers not allowing him to play well? Which is and, a good question. And I think I think it is a lot. I think that has a lot to do with it. And yes, it also includes Horford being extremely handsy and all of these guys like punishing literally punishing Giannis in the key mm-hmm. like it was back in the 90s and the 80s. And that but they're letting it fly because he is Giannis because he is this just gigantic freak of an athlete. Right. It's like Shaq like He's he's just that big, and they're gonna they're gonna let contact happen because Giannis, if he drives in the lane, he also engages in contact. There are, there are probably times too often where a play should be a charge or a foul sure. on Giannis, an offensive penalty that's not called because he's Giannis. It's also the LeBron James conundrum where it's how do you call a man like that? exactly, and the, and that's the issue that the NBA has. That's why Giannis gets to the free throw line. What ten to twelve times a game, right? But James Harden 19. gets to the free throw oh. line twenty times a game. Sorry, J- James Harden. This We're going to make me, James Harden make me crack my non-alcoholic beverage right now. Oh yeah, there's a nice diet. Some coke. more SMR there for you. ASMR. ASMR. <laughs> my bad. Anyway, you do you not know what ASMR is? I do know what ASMR okay. is. It's like where the people are like cutting the soap and like. It's like it's like good sounds going and, to and cutting visuals. the soap right away is a pretty interesting thing to talk about. <laughs> well, that's about what that's the stuff that my that's what sure. that's what my wife watches. She likes okay. the she likes the soap ones where they like take knives and cut the soap into okay. like really small cubes. She loves that stuff. Like whenever she scrolls, she doesn't like actively go out looking for it, but when she finds it, she'll sit and watch it for like twenty minutes. Okay. How do you do that? That doesn't make any sense to me. But it's peaceful for her anyway. Um, the 76ers shut down Giannis, and they have the players to do it, and I think that it was more on the 76ers' side of the, of it than Giannis not playing well. So can I, I'll, I'll do a counterpoint to the counterpoint. Do counterpoint. it. Um, one, I don't think if you get one of those guys in foul trouble, they're screwed because they have no depth. Their, their depth is That's terrible, fair. and I think that they're susceptible to excuse me, foul trouble. I also think... Any other game, Giannis's shot is working. 
that game, he didn't have the benefit of the three-point shot to fall back on. Like that possession but, where they were laying in the paint for him, let, just mm-hmm. daring him to but, shoot. But, okay, so the only game where we have seen, only big game where we have seen Giannis's three-pointer hit consistently is against the Lakers. And the Clippers. What did he shoot in that game? Do you remember? I want to say it was three for six. See, see, but that's different than five of six or whatever he was, five of seven or whatever he was against the Lakers, because that's another six points from behind the arc showing that you can hit it more consistently. Well, really, all you can ask for from him is two for six. Right, but but I guess what I'm saying is if if they can completely shut off the lane with Horford, Embiid, Simmons, and Harris— mm-hmm. And they make him consistently. They say you you are the only way that you're going to beat us is if you hit three pointers. I do not think that Giannis is at that capability in his his shooting level where he can say, okay, I'm going to shoot ten threes this game and I'm going to hit five or six of them. I don't think that he's at that level. I yet. would agree with that. I also don't know if he'll ever get to that point. My, do you want to know a hot take that I have? What's your hot take? If Eric Bledsoe played that game, the Bucks win. See, I don't think so. I I, I don't think so. Because I think he would have done some voodoo magic on Ben Simmons or would have locked down on Cormac so that he couldn't shoot his seven threes or whatever it was. I also think that, honestly, it was probably a little bit of a miracle that we beat the Lakers without him. Probably. It, it definitely helped that they were on their longest road streak of the season sure. so far and potentially their longest of the season. I mean, don't maybe? get me wrong. That was but, still a phenomenal win. Oh, it was. It was a huge win. And we talked about that on last week's podcast. Yeah. But I don't know. I just, just something about this game. And, and you know, like all of us here in Milwaukee are saying, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. But you can guarantee that all the people in Philadelphia sports talk radio are saying this is a big deal because we got this win and we played our best game of the year against the best player of this season in the biggest game probably we're going to have in this first half of the season well that's another thing too I think that and I have to be careful with the way I phrase this I think this game meant way more to Philly than it did the Bucks. you're probably right I think that the Bucks, you know were and I think it was probably for the best that we lost this game Giannis even said after the game like I used it in one of my updates today a cut of him saying well we needed this like we were getting right. too comfortable sometimes you need a little slap in the ass to knock you back and be like okay that sucked what can we do to fix this and I think that's what it was you know you beat all of these fantastic teams out on the west coast and you kind of get this confidence about you and you feel like oh we're unstoppable nothing can stop us and that's when you slip up so I think having a loss like that was incredibly important I think next game in Philadelphia or no in Milwaukee Milwaukee. Bucks win that game February 6th running away with it the Bucks will win that game I don't know. I hope you're right. I, I I just don't think so. I think that every single time that these two teams play this year, it is going to be a neck-and-neck battle. I don't think that there's going to be another blowout in this series for this this season. I think it is all going to be 10 points or less. Well, why don't we—what uh, what time are we at right now? We are at 32 minutes, but I think we've only been on air for like 20. Well, we should probably wrap this up because we have some other stuff to go. So I'll just yeah. end it with this. In a best-of-seven series, say it's the Eastern Conference Finals, who's winning that series? Right now, I think it's the 76ers. In how many games? In seven. Okay. Right now, I'm sticking with the prophecy. I'm still sticking Bucks and six. Bucks and six. And, that, like and that's not me. Meme, well, the, it is slightly me memeing, but I also believe it to be true. I think 
Bucks would win that series six or seven games. Like I said, I hope you're right. Me, well, me too. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to be a very unhappy boy come May. That's right. So uh, we're going to go ahead and take a little break. Coming up out of the break, we're going to talk some Packers football. They beat the Vikings last week. They secured, at the very least, the NFC North and uh, the number three seed in the NFC. They're playing against your Lions on Sunday. That's right. Uh, for, at the very least, if they win, they'll secure the two seed, which means a first-round bye. And, oh, I just thought of this. The Packers can get the two seed, and if the Lions lose, they can get the number two overall pick in the draft. So this this seems like a mutually beneficial I, agreement between I, yes. us. I mean, I'm a Lions fan, but I'm really hoping the Packers win on Sunday. You're kind of a Packers fan, too, now that no. you live here, right? Oh, no, okay. I am not a Packers fan whatsoever. I'm a Leroy Butler fan. That's, I am not a Packers Are you a Gary fan. Ellerson fan? I am a Gary Ellerson fan. Okay. All, um, all 250 yards in the NFL. Yes. I love you, Gary. I'm sorry. That was just a little, a little stab. Just Let's a little be honest. J- he's not going to listen to this anyway. <laughs> no, he was not. <laughs> But so we're uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the NFC playoff picture. We're going to talk some uh, Packers football, and we'll be right back after this. And welcome back in everybody to the Hef and Dan on demand on the fan dot com podcast. That's a long title. Daniel Plucker, you are here with me. That's right. We're talking some Packers football. We're into week seventeen of the NFL. The Packers sit at twelve and three. They won the NFC North. They've they pretty much have their destiny in their own hands at this point. When it comes to having a first round bye and having the entire NFC playoffs coming through Lambeau. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, we're, we, you know, let's open it up. Let's talk some Packers football. What a, well, you're a Lions fan. I'm a Lions fan. So, unfortunately, let's start out. Uh, what are you looking for on Sunday? What are you on looking Sunday? for in this game? Um, if the Packers don't win by two touchdowns, it's going to be not a good way to enter your playoffs. Oh, absolutely. Because the Lions are not a good football team. They're on their third, maybe even their fourth string quarterback. Carry mm-hmm. um, on Johnson just came back from injuries. That was that was dumb. Yes, them, there's the no reason in hell that Carry on Johnson should be back on the field right now. As a Carry on Johnston owner, I don't in know what the football? hell they were doing. In fantasy football, yeah. I, and, and I'm uh, personally... No, I don't own a man. That's true. That's probably a good thing. Um, yeah. No, I just for legal. If you're listening to this legal, I I do not own a man. Yes. Continue. <laughs> Continue. All right. So carry on, Johnson. I am a I'm yes, a big football. fan of. I think that he's going to be uh, the running back of the future in Detroit. Whether they platoon him or if it's just him, but this Lions team, second worst defense in the NFL. Uh, under a defensive coach. Under a defensive Patricia. coach, right. So that's exactly what you want. They don't have anything to play for. Um, lots of them are mad at the coaching staff and the ownership. Uh, it's turmoil right now in Detroit. And if, for whatever reason, they stay in this game against Green Bay, that is about the worst thing that could happen other than losing. So now what happens if this turns into a uh, a Matt Flynn game from, I think it was like 2011? Yes, I know what you're talking about. The one that secured the Lions going 0-16. Yes, and also continued the Lambeau streak. And continued the career of Matt Flynn, where he got a starting job with the Seahawks and then got beat out by Russell Wilson after they paid him like $30 million. Yes, that was a hilariously terrible deal. Um, but the, the Brock Osweiler deal. That's right. That's also a hilariously terrible quarterback deal. And you know what's going to happen this year? The Ryan Tannehill deal. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So Anyway. So... This is a roll out the helmets game for Green Bay. If they do not win, 
by more than 17 points, I'm going to say, because I, I think it should be a three-possession game. If they do not win by more than 17 points, if the offense doesn't put up at least 30, this is a very scary thing heading into the playoffs. Well, it's funny you say that because the line opened up at 12, or at least that was the last time that I saw it. It was 12 and Pack- a half. Packers, it was at one point Packers minus 12. Mm-hmm. And I asked you, I was like, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a trap bet. I feel like the, the Lions can cover that because, you know, they're still playing for like character or whatever. Um, the Packers probably are going to rest some of their players. Like, I sure as hell hope we don't see a lot of Aaron Jones or Devontae Adams. I was like, do you, uh, to me, this feels like almost like the Lions should cover. And you were like, absolutely not. They are not going to cover that. Just the Lions are not going to be anywhere no, near this game. I don't think so because I think the Packers' defense is slowly and surely getting to be becoming one of the best defensives in the NFL. And people just sure. a couple of weeks ago were saying, that uh, Petten need to be fired, which I thought was crazy from the start. No. But Zadarius Smith, I think he's going to have a field day, especially because I don't think Taylor Decker is playing. I'm pretty sure that he's had an injury over the last couple of weeks, maybe just this week, this past week he got hurt. I know he went down in the last game. So okay. I think that um, they're battling injuries, and I think that the Packers' offense is going to be on the field a decent amount, and I think that their defense is going to be well-rested, and the Lions have either David Blau or Kyle Slater at quarterback. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the secondary that the Green Bay has on top of the intense pass rush that they have, they should have no trouble getting to whoever plays a quarterback for the Lions several times in the game. And... I, I just this this whole thing is just screaming blowout to me, especially because the Packers are coming off of a huge win in a mm-hmm. stadium that they've never won at at U.S. Bank Stadium. Right. They have all of the momentum right now. The Lions have lost eight straight games. I want to say this is just screaming to me. Packers by twenty one, if which not is, more. Which is exactly why the Lions are going to win this game. No, they're not. I'm kidding. No, they're not. They're not going to win this game. <laughs> the Lions should be wanting to lose this game because if the Lions lose, they get a better draft pick. So the, we have the perfect deal worked out here. The Packers get at least a number two seed if they win this game. The Lions will get at least a number two pick if in the draft in 2020 if they lose and if a couple other things happen, I think. Well, because the, the, the Dolphins have won three. Right. Have the Redskins won three? The Redskins have also won three, and they beat the Lions. So they have the tiebreaker in that. But since okay. the Lions well, have they, a tie, yeah, the Dolphins, I believe, are still a game ahead of them. Okay. So I think it's well, Bengals. The, the Dolphins play the Patriots. That's right. So, so. we'll see. If the Patriots hit starters, hopefully. That's crossing fingers. Imagine if the Lions get Chase Young. I will literally be the happiest human being alive. You can't get any happier. Because he is an absolute monster on the defensive line. He is going to come into the league and be the next Bosa brother. I was going to say, like, imagine not taking a Bosa brother number one overall. Right. And that's what's going to happen because the Bengals are going to pick Joe Burrow and then Chase Young going to be sitting right there for the Lions. Well, so me- that's, that's, that is big, ideal, perfect world, but the Lions will find a way to botch it and draft a tight end with the number two overall pick. Oh, did I just say that? Oh. Number two pick, the Dallas or the Dallas, the Dallas, Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions are on the clock with the second pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. The Detroit Lions select Rafael Gaglianoni, kicker, Wisconsin. 
He's not even the dude that hit the sixty-two yarder, is he? No, he's been out. He he's been out of college for two years now. <laughs> oh, has he really? Or one or two? Yeah, I remember that guy. That guy was he was, he was awesome. A little, he was a little chunky, wasn't he? He, he was a chunky. Yeah, he boy. was a chunky boy. Uh, anyway, so I just I just don't think that there is any reason or way possible for the Packers to lose this game. What do you think? Adam? I I think you're right. I well, I don't want to say that there's it's a hundred percent Packers are winning this game because. I mean, this could end up being a trap game where it's the Packers are coming off the best game of their season and they're coming off of a dominant performance and they don't have a, a, I mean, they have a lot to play for, but not a tremendous amount. They might start resting players. Mm -hmm. I could see an alternate reality where this is a trap game. I think if you run a simulation out of a thousand times, 995 of them, the Packers are winning that game, but I wouldn't say it's completely impossible for the Lions to win this game. That being said, I think it's still going to be Packers something like 31-13, something like that. Right. Um, and that, that brings me to my next point, I think. Um, transitioning more, still Packers, but same same general field. So as a Lions fan, yeah, I have sat through years yeah. and years and years of terrible football, including an 0-16 season. Correct. And something... As a screen caller for the, for the big show and the Bill Michael show and whatever show have you, and something that has just really been on my mind. Oh, me too. I know where this is leading is to me too. Every single one of you, and yes, I'm saying you, Packers fans. Yes, you, Jim. Yeah, Jim. I see you there, you little yeah. rapscallion. Anyway. Tallywhacker. You all call into our shows and you sit here and you bitch and you bitch and you bitch about an 11 and 3 football team. 12 and 3 football team now after Monday. Yep. Are you kidding me? Yep. I have never seen a 12 and 3 football Detroit Lions team in my entire life. The, I mean the best season of your Lifetime was probably the one where they won the wild card when the Packers came in, ran the table, yes. and won the division. Yes, in Detroit. And, which I was and, at that game. That was fun. Right, that was fun. Right, right. uh huh. <laughs> it was great. Yes. So the it Detroit Lions. That is the best Detroit Lions experience that I've, I have had in my lifetime. And yeah, sorry about that. That was a little bit of a Hitler salute. <laughs> they didn't but, need to know that. Well, now they know. Um, and Packers fans are sitting here. And they're complaining and they're yelling about a team that has won 12 games. Right. And it boggles my mind because I sit here <laughs> and I dream of the day that the Detroit Lions are 12 and 3. <laughs> I have never experienced that in my whole life. How many times have you seen that, Packers fans? You've won a Super Bowl in the last decade. The Lions haven't sniffed it in 57 years. <laughs> Hey, do you remember when the Detroit Tigers had uh, David Price and Justin Verlander and Annabelle Sanchez and Max Scherzer? And Rick Porcello? Yeah, that was a great year. And, why and why are we Prince bringing Fielder that up? We don't need to bring that up. We're talking about the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. So, there are plenty of Packers fans out there that just do not appreciate the greatness that they see in their organization every single year even the I years agree. where you're 6 and 10 a ho hum team i dream of the day that the lions make the playoffs because it rarely ever happens they haven't won a playoff game since i was born right and 
If the Packers don't make the NFC Championship game, no, not just that. If they don't make the Super Bowl, it's a failure of a season. And you wonder why everybody hates the Packers. It's not because it's the organization. Hey, now, the Packers are America's team. Let's be real here. But outside of the people, all of the outsiders, all of the non-Packers fans hate the Packers. And everybody wonders why. They say, oh, it must be Aaron Rodgers. It must be Brett Favre. No, it is not the players. It is not the organization. Because the organization is a world-class organization. They've proved that. Uh, this strange thing of having fans as owners works. It is you. It is you, the fans, that makes everybody hate you because you guys bitch and moan and complain about a team that is good every year. They're not great every year, but they're at least good every year, and you're spoiled because you've had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back-to-back. That never happens. you got Brett Favre, yeah. and who was— Yeah, uh, Matt Bre- Hasselbeck, and then we had uh, um, uh, uh, Brett Hundley. Yes, okay, but you know, yes, okay, so I understand you had years where your quarterback was hurt, but you know that that guy's coming back. So even if you have one off season where you have to have a bad, you have to have one year with a bad quarterback, oh no, I've gone through 21 in my life. Now, Matt Stafford is a great quarterback. Hall I think, of Famer. I, I think he could be a Hall of Famer. He is. Um, But... Up until him, I had John Kitna and Dante the Culpepper legend. as my quarterbacks growing up, cheering for. And Joey Harrington, who they picked with the number three pick. You guys don't understand. I forgot because, about Joey Harrington. Yes, Joey Harrington, a bust quarterback that they drafted with the number three overall pick. Yeah, that was great. Um, So, my point is, now that you don't have that quarterback, Aaron Rodgers is not playing like that dude that you've had anymore. And so all of you guys are saying, oh, we're winning ugly. We're winning ugly. Oh, this is so bad. We're winning ugly. Did you win? But did you fucking win? Yes. Have you won 12 games this year? Yes. Have you won the NFC North? Yes. So stop bitching. God. Can I say a word now? Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. I just had to get that off my chest. It's been driving me nuts all season. Let me just say that your wife owes me a thank you letter for helping you get all this steam and angst out right here. Yes. And I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to be I your therapy I actually feel a Friday. lot better after just I'm, screaming into a microphone for I'm, five minutes. I'm happy to be your therapy every Friday. That sounded sus. <laughs> Moving on. I, I don't understand... Now, yes, we have gotten incredibly lucky as Packer fans. I'm 23 years old. I was born in 96. The Packers won the Super Bowl, the 96 season, and the 97 Super Bowl. I was a a fucking month old. What do you expect? (laughs) Yes, I I remember every snap of that game. (laughs) Leroy Butler doing his thing. Desmond Howard. And Desmond Howard. Hell yeah. And Brett Michigan May. Um, So we've been spoiled, like you said. And we... In the mid-2000s, leading into the early teens, we were spoiled because Aaron Rodgers, he would go up there, fling a ball, and it would land in Greg Jennings' hands for a 40-yard touchdown. It's dominance that... Unfair. It's dominance the sport has never seen before. So, our expectations become high. And I'm not going to defend Packers fans because they've been pissing me off, too. Excuse me. Did I go over Mike? That was yeah, awesome. Yeah, I did. Um, we just got past two bad seasons. The the like the first time the Packers have had back to back bad seasons since the early nineties, and 
the fact that people expected us to go 16 and 0 this season is beyond me. This is my expectations coming into this season 8 and 8. That were, those are mine too to be fair. But sorry. So see okay, my expectations were 8 and 8, but a little part of me knew that they were going to compete for the NFC North. And a little part of me thought, you know, they're going to find themselves right back into this, especially after those first couple weeks of where they were playing really well and and, and going along with the spoiled thing, guys. I mean, Matt LaFleur comes in, never before head coach, comes in in, in his first year. This is literally unprecedented in Packers history. Coaches a team to 12-3. and three. No Packers rookie coaches led a team to 10 wins, let alone 12 in Meanwhile, the Meanwhile, Matt Patricia is in Detroit in his second year, and they've won a total of, I believe it's nine games in two years. Yeah. Belichick disciple. Matt Patricia. Yes. And before that, Jim Caldwell, who is the winningest coach in Detroit Lions history. I feel like, I mean, you're probably a better uh, knowledge on this, but I don't feel like he should have been fired. I see. I was torn. Now, because, don't get me wrong. I hated Jim Caldwell. See, I hated him. See, the thing is, okay, so Jim who, Caldwell. Well, who was the coach before him? Jim Schwartz. Uh, that was a guy who I hated. I hated Jim yes, Schwartz. Jim Schwartz was the worst. Um, Jim Caldwell, everybody hated him. I felt Caldwell, like. Caldwell. Okay, so Caldwell is a good coach. Um, like I said, he was either the winningest by record or something like that, winningest coach in in Lions history. He was a great coach, sure. and the thing is, he just didn't get his guys going. He wasn't that motivator. He was a guy that'll get you to nine, ten wins, but wouldn't motivate your guys to go to want to do beyond that. And so it was a lot of heartless play. Mm-hmm. But he was a mastermind of the X's and O's. And now we have Matt Patricia, who sucks ass at both. Yeah. So. My point is, this doesn't just happen all the time. You don't just get a coach that comes in, and even if you're winning ugly, coaches team to 12-3. and three. Yeah. But because of this sustained success that the Packers have had for the last 20, 30 years, it seems natural. It's This is supposed to happen. Well, no, It's what, God's when, team. When Aaron retires, Packer fans are going to be in for quite the culture shock. Unless we get like the next Deshaun Watson or something like that. They'll find a way. So my thoughts on all of this, going back to everything. I don't understand these expectations. Now, I've watched every game. And so have I. Do I get annoyed at how this team is playing sometimes? Absolutely. And I it, think you can get annoyed. It's, it's human nature to get annoyed when you see a product on the field that you know isn't 100% and could be better. Like, the offense has not been consistent. It took me until probably week 13 before I truly realized that it wasn't Aaron missing these throws on purpose. It was just he's 36 years old and not the 27-year-old who could fling the ball 120 yards in the air and it would come down in J- Jeff Janis's hands. Mm-hmm. It, it just it took me too long to realize that he is trying to adjust his game. He's going from a McCarthy situation where he had a ton of bad habits— which you can still see break out in his games every single week. He's trying to learn Matt LaFleur's offense, which I don't think it's a complex one, but it's still a new scheme altogether. So he's still trying to get his rapport with him, and honestly, he doesn't have good receivers. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to make excuses or anything, but do you really think Geronimo Allison would be on most rosters as no. the number two receiver? The wide the wide receiver position slash, I mean, also, also tight end is just 
is probably the worst situation in the NFL. It's it's his worst and, as a pro. And I think that is contributing to the poor play, or not poor. It hasn't been poor. It's the mediocre play we've seen from Aaron Rodgers. But to tie it all together, you're still 12-3. and three. I did a little social experiment. When we post things on Twitter, or, or especially Facebook, especially Facebook, we get data back on how many people saw every post mm-hmm. and the in, uh, interaction and the comments. We can see all of that. Even if we don't necessarily read them, we can still see when a post does well because we have numbers on it. So, whoa. <laughs> Excuse me. That Diet Coke just fought back hard. So I did an experiment. One game or one post I talked about, like, what can the Packers fix or what do they need to improve? And, you know, hundreds and hundreds of comments. And it's all about, oh, we're not getting enough pass rush or our our corners aren't good. Our receivers are terrible. Rodgers isn't playing consistent enough. And then it was right after the Packers beat, I think it was either the Redskins or the Giants, and they won their 10th or 11th game and they're in the playoffs, and they're looking good, I asked, what exactly has this team done right? And it got maybe 75 comments. And I was pissed off because this is a 12-3 and football team. Has it been, you know, the best football to watch? No. No. Has Aaron Rodgers looked good? No. Honestly, by Aaron Rodgers' standards, he has not. I think that's a big reason why he restructured his contract today because he realizes that he is not the guy anymore and that money could be more wisely used somewhere else trying to boost their receivers or right. something like that. So it just it bothers me because we've become so spoiled. And it is probably the golden time to be a Wisconsin sports fan. It is. Because the Packers, well at least now they're doing well. I I, I say it rivals with 2011, our uh, our 8th grade year. Jesus we're old. Well, that's funny cuz the people listening to this are going to be like, "Well, Jesus, I was like 30 and 2011. <laughs> but it right now the Packers are phenomenal in a way. I mean, at the very least, the record's phenomenal at 12-3, and three, and they won the NFC North. The Brewers are coming off back-to-back playoff appearances for the first time since the early 80s. They won almost 90 games, and they've shown that they are at least somewhat committed to winning. The Bucks just came off 60 wins. They have an MVP. Well, the Brewers have an MVP, too. That's another point for them. The the Bucks are they have the best record in the NBA at twenty seven and five. They are phenomenal right now. They're the favorites to win the East. The Badgers are in the Rose Bowl right now. And it's a bad time for college basketball in Wisconsin, but it's kind of a bad time for college basketball in anywhere. Jail. Right. So we're in a, a spoiled era right now where we kind of expect this greatness from, from everyone. every single and team. Honestly, this is me being a hundred percent biased, but I think Wisconsin sports fans are some of the most loyal. They travel some of the best, and they're generally some of the most kind and you know nice people, and they're very wholesome. But recently, everyone has become so damn spoiled, and it's I know it's ironic for me to say at 23 years old to people that they're being spoiled with sports, but it's true. It's true because I mean, just think about your lifetime as a Packers fan. I've seen a Super Bowl. I've seen I think two or three conference finals at the very least. Right. I've seen NFC championships. I've seen I think four or five MVPs between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. I've seen the greatest football team of all time, which I believe is the 2011 Packers that finished 15 and one. At the very least, they were the best offense of all time, and then they lost to the Giants in the 
in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't want to talk about we that. We don't have to talk about that. Okay, okay. thank you. But the point is, we've seen a phenomenal Packers football team. And the past two years, they have been down. I don't understand why, because we have a new coach and we signed some players, everyone expected us to go 16-0. and I, I mean, we've far outplayed my expectations this year. Yeah, and I think you, I think you outplayed everybody's expectations because coming right. into the season, if you talk to ninety percent of Packers fans, they said we're going between six and ten and eight and eight this year. Yeah, I think that is what most people said. But now, now that the Packers are actually showing promise and they're showing that maybe they're actually a good football team, they expect team, perfection. They per- expect perfection. They expect exactly what they expected before Matt Lafleur, back when they were some Super Bowl contenders every single year, and that is their expectations now going forward because well, that's what they think Lafleur has risen this level to in his first year as a head coach. They also expect this roster to not be a work in progress. This roster is a work in progress. It is. This is the first year in franchise history we've actually like gone out and signed multiple free agents that are big name free agents. Right. And so far every single one of them has been a hit. Billy Turner has been a, a focal point of that offensive line. A backup line. Where, where he was in Denver. And he's him. been killing it on your offensive line. Adrian Amos has been a lockdown guy as a safety out there. He's been a good, I think he's been a good mentor to Jair and Josh Jackson and, and Darnell uh, and, Savage and Kevin King. I think that he's teaching them a lot of good things. And then we have the Smith brothers, easily the best free agent signings out of anywhere in the NFL. Zadaria Smith, especially that, that kid is a man. He is a man amongst boys. And going in the next off season, I have a feeling Jimmy Graham's cut. That's 8 million. You're getting back. Rogers restructured his deal. So the Packers are getting eleven more million dollars back from that. If and they cut Jimmy Graham and I think it was Lowry, they can have up to forty million dollars to spend in free agents. They better not cut Dean Lowry. That's all I'm saying. Dean Lowry has been one of the most underrated players on the Packers this season. But so but would you cut the two of them to get Odell Beckham Jr. in a trade? Would you cut the two of them to go and sign a big free agent? I think anybody To sign a would. big free agent, yes, but not as much as I love OBJ and as much as I'd love to have Rodgers throwing the ball to him, I'm not giving up a first-round pick for that contract. That's fair. But uh, I think you go after someone like Emmanuel Sanders in free agency. There you go. I, I think that they're going to... Do I think they're going to do that. I well, think they're going to cut Jimmy Graham. I think they're going to cut Dean Lowry. I think they're going to have... First and foremost, they do need to give an extension to Kenny Clark. That's and, going to be coming. And, and Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones. The three of them. Yeah. Aaron Jones as well is coming up. So of they... those three, Bulaga is probably the first one to go because, you know, the Packers historically have not liked to pay for linemen on their, on their third contract. And now they, they have, don't El- like to do they that. have Elgin. How do you say his first Elton name? Elton Jenkins. Elton, thank you. Elton Jenkins, too. And he'll fell in nicely. Or Billy Turner, who's naturally a tackle, who's playing mm-hmm. offensive guard. But I guess just the overarching theme here is please, please. Patience. Be patient and believe in your Green Bay Packers team because history has shown and repeated itself to say that this team is going to be a Super Bowl contender with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. And for all of you to be calling in and to be making these crazy comments about trading Rodgers, trading this guy, trading that guy, getting rid of Devontae so the offense looks more well spread out. Right. Patience. It's a first-year head coach. Patience. If the Bucks or the Bucks, excuse me, I was looking at the Bucks score because the game just ended. If the Packers lose in the divisional round to uh, who would they be playing? Would they be playing the Seahawks? 
Well, or maybe the Vikings. Well, they have a bye right now, so it or would like, depend. Well, because well, they'd play in the divisional round because the wild card rounds first, and then they would play in the division. Right. I I, I want to say they'd probably play the either the Vikings because they. I don't, yeah. Did they secure the three? Or no, they secured the five. Um, yes. So, yeah, it would probably be either the Vikings or maybe the Seahawks. The Seahawks, yeah. Oh, well, that's if we're the two. Yeah, if you're the two. Otherwise, who's the four right now? Is it The um, four is the Cowboys. The Eagles, technically. Eagles, right. You're right. It's the Eagles. My bad. So, you, if we play to the Eagles and we lose to them at Lambeau, you're going to be disappointed. Right. But... Is this season a failure? No. No. Already, at this very second in time, this season is not a failure. Right. But if now, it you is... Have to, you have to adjust your expectations because the team is 12-3, and three, You kind of and they've dominated the entire season, you kind of expect them to at least win a playoff game. Right. But the way you look at it, the way that they exceeded expectations, they exceeded Vegas's expectations, which is a pretty good indicator of where a team's going to be. Right. This season has been a success. Right. But nobody, no Green Bay, no, and not a regular Green Bay Packers fan will not say that. They will say that this season has been mediocre because they don't look like they're winning games, but they are. If this team is mediocre, watch what happens when they sign Emmanuel Sanders or they draft a first round receiver or they get, they trade for TJ Hawkinson from the Lions. Imagine what's going to happen. Remember, we get Jay Sternberger back next year, who I was a huge fan of that we drafted coming out of Texas A&M. I loved him. And we have Equinemius coming back. He's not going to be a difference maker. But you you can pretty much be guaranteed that this is not the receiving core you're going to see coming back. This isn't going to be the defense you see coming back. This isn't going to be the offensive line you see coming back. They're only going to get better. This team is going to be really good. This team in the next two years, it's going to be some of the best. A juggernaut. It's going to be some of the best Packers football of your lifetimes. And if you, if Rodgers starts playing more like Tom Brady does right now. Now, I'm a notorious Tom Brady hater. I He's still an all-time great. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a top-five quarterback, yada, 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 bullshit, whatever. But in at this stage in his career, he plays into Belichick's system perfectly. Where what do they run? They run dink and dunk. They run screen passes to James White or to Julian Edelman, and they just seven-yard catches every single time. And then you mix in a run with Sony Michelle. If Rodgers can get into an offense like that, if Lafleur can make his offense like that, and that's where the, the offense has been the most successful this year, when they're running up-tempo, they're running short-yardage plays, and they just keep the ball moving and it tires out the defense. If Rodgers can keep doing that, he becomes an MVP again. He does. And this team becomes... It lives up to all of your expectations that you have for the Packers. It will. It will, 100%. And those days are coming, and you don't have them yet. And even now, I think the Packers are almost the favorite to be in the Super Bowl in the NFC. They're in the top two. And you're not seeing the best football out of this team under this head coach with this quarterback. Right. We have not seen the best of this Packers team. If we did, yeah. If we did, it was probably the Vikings game, but even then the offense wasn't spectacular in that game. So we're only scraping the surface. I think a topic that I want to do for next week is we have to move on. I want to do who are you most scared of in the NFC playoffs. I think that'd be good. Because you can, even though you're not a Packers fan, you can still kind of value every single matchup in here, and you know how the teams weigh out. So I'm curious to see an outsider's perspective. 
My answer is not going to be shocking. I'll give you a hint, a little teaser. It's the Saints. We're going to move on. We're going to take a little break. We're going to come back with a little bit of baseball chatter. If you, uh, all the loyal fans will remember that we had a very long segment last weekend on the or last week on the Brewers. We're going to definitely shorten it up a little bit. Yes. We're going to talk about some of our uh, our. What do we want to our say? Our winners our and losers. Our winners and losers of the offseason so far. And we want to hear from you as well. Uh, I believe our, the Twitter for this is, what is it, 1057 The Producers or something, something like that? Something like that. We, we want to hear it up from you. in the break here. Yeah, we'll tweet it out for you too. We want to hear who your guys' winners or losers are through the offseason so far. And we're going to talk about that when we come right back. Let's talk some baseball offseason, shall we? We've got Evan Heffelfinger here, Dan Plucker on the other side of this table that we're sitting at. We're uh we're here broadcasting the Heff and Dan on the Fan on Demand podcast. We we should probably shorten that a little bit or no, do something with it. It's perfect. It is perfect. It is I perfect. agree with you. There's I was just testing can... you to see if you would fall the into the trap. The only thing that we could do is make it longer and rhyme better. More rhymes. I'm on it. I'm do on it. it. Do it. The Heff and Dan on the Fan on Demand with our hands podcast. I'm talking about like you know like dirty work, not like. <laughs> So baseball, we're we're talking baseball off season. You said dirty work. That didn't help much either. I, I mean, like like uh, what's his name, John Rowe? Yeah, John Rowe from Dirty Jobs. Is that actually his name? Yeah, I, I know so. it's Rowe was his no, last name. It, but... I think it's John, Jim, Jim, Jim Rowe, Jim Rowe. That sounds better. With Dirty Jobs, that's what I meant. Like the you know, pick up your your lunch pail, go work seventy hours at a coal mine, work. Because we're very hard workers, as you heard from our first segment where we talked about how long we have been here today. We're talking baseball offseason right now. We kind of want to do something. We want to, we're going to give you our top two winners of the offseason so far, team-wise, and our top two losers. And we want to hear from you as well. We forgot to look it up during the break, the producer's uh, Twitter. Here, I'm going to um, do it right now. Okay. So you keep talking, so do your thing. We're, uh, we're, it's been a... A wild offseason so far. The past couple of seasons, we've seen an offseason that stretched into mid-March, something like that. This season, it it hopped off quick, like late November, early December. And so far, so it's easy for us to, at, at the very least, at this point, on December 27th, we can give, at this time, probably our two winners and our two losers at this point. Dan, do you have the Twitter? Yes, it is at 1057producers. And shout out to one Julie Johnson, who oh. is the only person that does not work at this radio station that liked our first podcast. Really? Yes. So shout out to Julie. I hope she's listening now. We love you, Julie. We love you, Julie. Thank um, you for being the number one fan. You are now our number one fan. Officially. Officially. Because you are you're the, f- you're the only one that has interacted <laughs> with us. So congratulations, except Julie. For, except for the Bill Michaels cast of thousands. Right. Right. The thousands of Wisconsinites that listen to the Bill Michaels show. And we more got, importantly. We got Tim and a cast of thousands on the line right now. We'll get back to you right after this. That's right. Having Dan on the fan on demand. With our hands. With our hands. Because we're the mans. Ooh. Ooh. All right. So we have our winners and losers of the offseason. I'll start off. How about we start a uh, winner? I'll you do a winner. winner. I'll do a winner. You do a loser. I'll do a loser. Ooh, I like and it. And then you do a winner, okay. and then a winner, and then a loser. So my number one biggest winner of the offseason is, drumroll please, the Chicago White Sox. Correct. Um, 
They... I'm, I'm going to give different answers than you. Okay. Although the White Sox are the clear-cut number one winner of okay, the cool. offseason. Okay, cool. Yes. Um, wow. They signed Yasmani Grandal. Boom. Uh, they have their catcher of the future for the next four years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be a stud in their lineup. We we know him well. He played here in Milwaukee. He's he's going to be great. Um, then they go out and they sign Gio Gonzalez, mm-hmm. a left-handed starter. Also, Brewers. Also, connection with Yasmani Grandal. Right. Looking really good. Then they go out and sign Dallas Keuchel, yep. who last year didn't play great in Atlanta, but has proven that he is a Cy Young caliber pitcher and could return to that next year in Chicago. And then they went out and signed Edwin Encarnacion. 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 Shout out Nacho Libre Jack. Yes. I love you. So, so not only have they signed those players, they traded for Nomar Mazzara. That's right. Who was a very underrated hitter. They In left uh, field. Yep. Jose Abreu's coming back on a three-year That's deal. Right. Oh, did we mention that they have actually a really good young core with Tim Anderson, Eloy Jimenez, Yoan Moncada. Uh, they have uh, they have some pitching prospects, too, yep. I believe. They have Nick Madrigal. They have Dylan Cease. Yep. They have, um, what's the hard, Kopech, Michael Kopech. Yep. Um, they also this, they have former Brewers first round pick Cody Medeiros. He made his way over that's there. That's right. Um, and this White Sox team is probably going to win the Central this year, especially uh, with well, well, we'll touch on the Cleveland Indians later. If right. I had to guess, or at the very least, I will. Yes. Um, they are they're they're just they're so good guys. Uh, they have that built offense themselves. could end up being the best in baseball. It could. They're going to hit over two hundred home runs easy. Maybe 300. reaching 300, maybe, three hundred, maybe, maybe, maybe even getting more than that. This team is going to be very good. They 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 won the off season. They did because they're gonna. They went from. They're uh, not done yet. They're not done yet. They went from a an average baseball team to a very good baseball team in this off season already, and there's still a lot more off season to go. The Indians are going to get worse. I mean, they got worse. They traded Kluber for nuts and bolts, and the Twins have gotten worse as well. Although the Twins do still have a very good roster. They still yes. have a... Young core. I mean, Mitch Garver. You want to talk about a guy coming out of nowhere. Buxton. Buxton is starting to finally live up to his potential. You have a, a 72-year-old Nelson Cruz still hitting 280 and hitting 40 home runs. Uh, Miguel Sano, he showed that he can bounce back a little bit last year. You're hoping. Not to mention you still have Michael Pineda. You have... Um, Max Kepler's in Jake Odorizzi signed uh, his qualifying offer. That's right. So they don't have a terrible starting rotation. They're but, still looking for that splash. But guess what? They're still going to finish with 84 wins. This White Sox team is set up to win, I would say, 90 in a minimum right now. Yeah, I think so. Oh, so sorry about that. The, the number one, as I'm sliding off my chair, the number one <laughs> winner is... Did you, oh, it sounded like my mic shut off for a second. No. The number one winner of this offseason has been the White Sox, and it's not even close. But I feel like I need to give another winner. Okay. Um, give me your winner. That's a phenomenal question. Oh, I mean, it has to be the Angels. The Angels? And because the Angels team is Mike Trout, so the winner is Mike Trout because he finally gets the middle-of-the-order guy 
that Albert Pujols was supposed to be, or I guess he was for a year or for two. For a year there. or two, but not the other eight. They, he finally gets his his tag team partner. And sure, they lost Cole Calhoun, but... Big whoop when you get... Uh, Anthony Rendon. Yeah. A guy that, in my opinion, I think the Nationals should have signed him over Steven Strasburg. Agreed. But... I mean, it works out for Rendon. He gets to live in California for eight years. He gets to be Mike Trout's best friend. And he's not in the spotlight either. No. Because the spotlight team in L.A. is the Dodgers. Having right. Being from out there, it's the Dodgers and nobody else in Southern California. As a closeted Angels fan, I'm very happy for it as well. Yes. It's funny. I'm a fan of two teams in the AL West. Uh, the A's are my number two team in baseball. The Brewers are number one. Don't even fucking question that. <laughs> But number three is the Angels. Yeah, for me it goes Tigers, tied tie at the top at, at number two with Brewers Padres because I'm from San Diego. Okay, San Diego is the city that I most want to visit in the entire. It world. is gorgeous. Right. I that's why I want to dream of living in San Diego again someday. Do you but, want to move out to their sports radio station? Yeah, let's do it. I I don't know what it's called, but I know Tony Gwynn Jr. works out there. That's right, and we, I know him now since I got him on the Big Show yep, a couple weeks was, ago. He was he's our uh, MLB.com or our Radio.com Sports MLB Insider. That's right. We had him on the Bills show as well. That's right. Uh, one of the just nicest dudes you'll. He's super nice. Anyway, so the Angels, another winner. I had them as my winner as well. So I guess we don't need to cover that again. Sure, they were my other they, winner. They still need some help in pitching. Yes. Like they it kind of sucks that they struck out on Garrett Cole, but oh, I guess uh, having Anthony Rendon as a fallback isn't the worst idea. Well, I think they also signed some guys too. I can't remember who it was. Uh they got Julio Teran. That's how you say right. his name, right? Yeah, Julio Teran. Teran, yes. Um and there was one other guy who I'm trying to think of. Um so keep talking, do your thing, and then once I find it, I'll remind you. This is the first time that like I said it's the first time that Mike Trout has had a running mate that I I just I'm so happy for him Mike Trout is probably the best player in MLB history or at the very least he's on his way to becoming the best I mean you have to rival Griffey as much as people hate to say it you have to rival Bonds but the the numbers that Trout has put out at such a young age and the way that he's continued to do it for almost a decade, and the fact that he's played in one playoff series in his entire like nine year career. It's a travesty. It's a goddamn travesty. It's a travesty. And now that they're paying him four hundred million dollars, they've locked him up forever. Albert Pujols comes off the books in I think one or two years. They have Rendon, who his game is gonna age a lot better than Adrian Pujols's was. Especially Albert Pujols. What did I say? You Adrian said Adrian. Pujols? I love Adrian Beltrade. That's probably what I was thinking of. Um oh, the Angels got Dylan Bundy. That was the guy. Yep, that's. I was about to say that, but you were talking. Still, Sorry. So no, it's all good. No, I, this this Angels team improved a lot, and uh, just think, you're getting another pitcher back in Shohei Otani. That's right. If, if he can get back on the mound, I think they. I think eventually they're going to have to decide whether they want him to be a hitter or be on the mound more consistently. It's funny because he is like what I dreamed of being when I was eight years old. What, that's what I'm, everybody I'm dreams I'm of being MVP, when they're eight. You know, at the plate hitting 280 with 30 bombs, and then you go and you pitch and you have 102 mile an hour with the nastiest curveball splitter you've ever seen in your entire right. life. He's living that dream at he like is. 23 years he old. He is. But I, I I, just still think that eventually injuries are going to come upon him and he's going to have to decide or the franchise is going to have to decide well, which one he wants to play. He had his Tommy John. 
which history has shown, or at least recent history has shown, pitchers after they've had their Tommy John, at least for a couple of years, they avoid those injuries, and they're better than ever. Like, if his fastball was hitting 100 before Tommy John, holy shit. If his splitter was as nasty as it was before Tommy John, watch out. We'll see. But also, he... He probably could end up and maybe should end up being a DH or a left fielder. Right. Because he has a 100 mile an hour cannon. Stick that boy in right field, especially with Cole Calhoun leaving. Yeah, they need an outfielder. Right. Oh, baby. Yeah. I, I don't know. The Angels just, they, they look like they're probably the favorites out in the AL West now. Yeah. The, my A's have not gotten much better. The Rangers no. have been in on every single player. But they haven't really gotten any outside of the trade for Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber was great. And that was a great um, trade They got them. Kyle Gibson as well. Okay. That's big for them. Um, I'm trying to see who else they got. Jordan Lyles, former Brewer. So they I, overpaid for him. They did. So I guess, I guess I'll start off that way then. One of my losers is the Texas Rangers because... They get Joey Gallo back too, my boy. Well, right. They get they get these guys back, but they've been on every single big free agent, and they've gotten none of them. That's fair. So instead of getting Steven Strasburg, instead of getting Garrett Cole, they get Corey Kluber, an aging right hander, former Cy Young, mm-hmm. who didn't look great last year at times. To be fair, but has also still showed flashes of the excellence that he's had. To be fair, they didn't give up much for him. They gave no, up Delano they really didn't. Shields and like a twenty five year old. They, they really didn't, but. I guess I'm just wondering how much it's going to matter because right. I don't think that the Rangers are close enough because they traded Mazzara as well. I don't think that they're close enough to be competing for a World Series right now. Who knows? I could be wrong. I was kind of saying the same thing about the Nationals last year. And look, they went just, out and won the whole thing. So Just wait till my boy Joey Gallo decides to hit 300 this year with 50 home runs. I'll believe it when I see it. He's going to hit 40. Okay, well, and home runs, that's what I'm not worried about. strikeout 57% of the time. <laughs> yeah, that's more what I'm concerned about. Strikeouts and hitting 210. But I love Joey Gallo. But the Rangers, I don't know. They're just losers in my opinion. They're, they're losers for not getting anybody that they were set out to get. I think that's a fair assessment. My first uh, loser is the Dodgers. Because, I mean, what have they done? Nothing. They haven't done anything. They I'm, added, I'm looking at their the only thing right we, we should look this up early. The only thing that they've done so far is add Blake Trinan, which is a good pickup for the bullpen. Right, putting him together with Kenley Jansen is nasty. It's going to be disgusting, but they've been. It's the same thing as the Rangers. They've been on every single free agent, and they've mm-hmm. gotten none of them. And all we've gotten this entire time from them is. Oh, well, we're thinking about maybe trading for Francisco Lindor, but we don't want to give up Gavin Lux or any of our top prospects. Oh, but, we're thinking about Josh Hader, right. but I don't know if we want to give up our top Gavin prospects. Lux. And oh, wait, but then there's also Mookie Betts if we don't get Francisco Lindor, but the only way we're doing that is if we don't give up our top prospects. So they lost Hinjin Ryu. They as lost, well. yes, right. So they've lost this year. They've lost this offseason. They have not made a move yet, and that organization is in—they're freaking out right now. The fans are freaking out. They don't know what's going on because they've been promised a World Series ring with Clayton Kershaw, the starting pitcher there, the the number one ace, and they haven't got— MVP and Cody Bellinger. MVP and Cody Bellinger, and they still haven't gotten it done. Now, you know what pisses me off about the Dodgers? And the Cardinals are like this, and in a way, so are the Houston Astros— 
where it's just like they just they shit out top prospects. Yeah, it's crazy. Like right now, Cody Bellinger is still only 24 years old. Walker Bueller is going to be incredible. Um, he is. Let's scroll down through this. Gavin Lux, uh, Kenosha Indian Trail's own. He's a stud. They drafted him like 22nd overall or something like that. Dustin May, incredible pitching prospect. Max Muncie, he's a little bit older, but he's still a bit of a prospect. Um, Julio Urias. Julio Urias. Starting pitching, left-handed. Another one. Young. And he's been pitching out of the bullpen the past couple years because he's still kind of learning and he's also still like 17 years yeah, old. Yeah, he's super young. Um, they also have Alex Verdugo in the minors, yep. another guy. They have Will Smith, the catcher, who came out of nowhere and at 24 years old is one of the best catchers in baseball. It pisses me off so much. They did, They just but they get away with they it. They have all these top prospects and still and they, can't give they it. Can't they can't get it done. So it doesn't matter. And they're a loser. Right now, they're a loser organization. Yes, right. they get there, but they lose. That's what they do. They get to the top, and they can't get it done. They're, they're the choke Packers. artists. They can't get it done. They're not the Packers. I already went on this rant. No, I'm saying the Packers got to that point, and then they couldn't finish. Like, after the Super Bowl in 2010, okay. they got back to that game. Okay, but the Dodgers it. haven't won a uh, Super Bowl, I almost had a World Series in 30 years or whatever it's been. Since uh, Kirk Gibson right. in the 80s. right. So f- almost 40 years now, mm-hmm. and that's a completely different argument than the Packers thing. Anyway, it is. so the Dodgers, they're losers. They're a loser franchise that you don't. people won't say it because they're the almighty Los Angeles Dodgers that spend $300 million a year, right. but they are losers. They are a losing organization. Mm-hmm. Do you want to move on to your second winner? Yes. We already talked about it as the Angels. Do you have another one? I don't. Okay, I'll do mine then. Do yours. Uh Cleveland, or not the Cleveland, the Cincinnati Reds. That's right. And to me, I don't think any other team comes close. We look at what they've done. They sign a friendly face, Mike Moustakis, to a four-year deal. Maybe overpaid a little bit, but we don't need to nitpick on it. They picked up, um, who else did they pick up? Why am I blanking on this? Wade Miley. They did get Wade Miley, yeah. Well, the thing is, what makes it hard with the Reds is that they've been doing it for the last year and a half. Where they are like, okay, we're going to start contending. Slowly building. Right. Because they had Puig. They had um, a couple big signings last offseason, a couple big trades. And yeah. then they've kind of been moving those players around. Like Puig's no longer with the team. And they got Trevor Bauer from the Indians. Right. And so Cincinnati's just building into this team. And honestly, right now, they might be the favorites for the NL Central. In, in my opinion, they are. They'll get a full season out of, a, how do you say his name? Is it Aristides Aquino? Uh, Aquino, yeah. They get a full season out of him. They get Luis Castillo if they can re- like reel in that fastball. Right. Nick Senzel as He's well, disgusting. second baseman, center fielder. They picked up Freddie Galvis. That could be big. Shortstop. If Sonny Gray can show that he is the Sonny Gray of old, like he was with the A's, that's a nasty guy that they have there. Michael Lorenzen is. I mean, I like him because he reminds me of Brooks Kieschnick. Okay. Where he just, he'll go out and pitch to a four ERA, but then he'll also hit five home runs for you, pinch hitting and playing left field. I like that a lot. Wade Miley, they probably, I don't think they overpaid for him, but they're taking a little bit of a gamble on him. But he's at the very least a dependable left handed pitcher you can stick at the back of your rotation. Mike Moustakis is going to hit you 35 home runs with an 820 OPS. And it's going to be more than that. It's going to be more than that. He's going to hit. Oh, in Great American Ballpark. He is going to hit 40 home runs in Great American Ballpark because he's a left handed hitter and that right field wall is short. 
Eugenio or was it Eugenio? Eugenio, yes. It's that one always trips me. Yeah, up. third third Eugenio baseman. Suarez, I think he's a top three third baseman in probably. the game right now. He's I think so it's good. Probably like Arenado, Bregman, and him. Hey, and we were talking about the disappointments in Detroit sports. There's another one. Suarez was a was a shortstop prospect for the Tigers that they traded for Alfredo mm-hmm. Simon. Hell yeah, I remember that boy. That was that big boy. Awful trade. Awful trade. Oh, hey, another thing about the Reds, they still have former MVP Joey Votto. Joey Votto. He had a terrible year last year, but he still has probably the best uh, plate discipline in baseball. Right. He still has a plus hit tool. He's not going to be the 30 home run guy anymore, but he, at the very least, is a dependable first baseman, probably one of the better defending first basemen. And a veteran leader on And a veteran team. leader. He's a hilarious guy. He can be a little bit of an asshole on the field, but, at, I mean, once he's out of that, like, you know, uber competitive mode. He's incredibly funny and nice. He is the perfect veteran that you want around that team. That team is looking scary. That team is looking like a 90-win team. That looks like the team to be in the Central right now. And that takes me to my loser, my second loser. Okay. The Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Uh, And I'm going to say that mostly because they lost Moose. They lost... Grandal, we've already talked about both those signings they and said that those Gio guys were the winners. Gonzalez, they, they lost, lost you, Trey, Gio, Lyles. Trey Lyles. They lost um, Drew Pomeranz. This has not been the most perfect offseason. Now, I must say that David Stearns has done a lot to kind of mend the wounds, but he has yet to make that big splash move that we're all waiting for to say, okay. Right. We know why this has happened. And sure, maybe the Brewers get back to their 94 wins or whatever they had this past year. Maybe they get back to that number again with what they have. But I I, I just really don't think so. I don't think that they have enough right now with how gr- good, if not great, the Reds look. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals being what they are and the Cubs who are going to be there. They're going to be a good team, maybe not great this year. I, I agree with that. I, as as much as it pains me to say, because the Brewers are my baby, that's my 1A. That is the love of my life until the day I die. But, I mean, you heard me last week. I I went off. I went off on Eric Sogard. I feel like there are some things that you could have done better with this team. And to be fair, it's still December 27th. Mike Moustakis didn't sign until March. Grandall didn't sign until February. There's a little bit of a disclaimer there. But at this current time, this roster looks like it's probably around a 78-win team. I think that's about fair. I think they're right around 500 right now, and if they don't make a big move, they're in big trouble. I would agree with that. I So I'm looking through... So who's your last loser, Evan? Who that's, you got? That's what I'm trying to figure out right now, because I'm looking through a lot of these teams and their rosters, and I'm liking a lot of the moves that are being made. Like, the Diamondbacks have made some great moves. They strengthened their bullpen with Junior Guerra, they signed Madison Bumgarner. I don't think he should have gotten four years, but that's besides the point. The Padres have been active. Now, I want to call them losers because they lost that trade with the Brewers, and that's a pretty bad one to make. Right. And they overpaid for Drew Pomeranz. But at the same time, they're still making an effort. Drew Pomeranz could be a, a lethal weapon with Kirby Yates in the back of that bullpen. And... Zach Davies is a dependable guy in the rotation. Zach or uh, Trent Grisham could be a good guy in that lineup. Right. To pair with another season of Fernando Tatis, 
You have another season of Manny Machado. Will Myers yeah, is one of the most underrated players in baseball. Well, they're in my probably going to trade him. I don't think they should. I think they're going to. They're, they have why, a stacked that's outfield. They, that's why they shouldn't have given Eric Hosmer all that money. Right. So I guess then I guess I'll give my other loser. Okay. Because you can't think of another one, sure. and that's the Tampa Bay Rays. Yep, that's a good one. Because they, like the Brewers, lost their biggest free agent, Avi Garcia, who uh, evidently to went to the Brewers. But they also lost Eric Sogard, who Don't we know. all agree they Brewers way overpaid for, but mm. he hit... 296 or whatever it was last year down in Tampa. Right. And I don't think they would have gotten that same production out of him, but they still lost him. They haven't really added anybody. They traded Tommy Pham, who was supposed to be the golden boy, supposed to be the MVP in Tampa Bay, and they dealt him for Hunter Renfro, which honestly, to the Padres for Hunter Renfro, and honestly, I don't think that does any good for anybody. I like Hunter Renfro, but... Especially in Tropicana, that place is a place where hitters go to die. Right. And and I just, I don't know. Like, this Rays team had some magic last year, and that's what propelled them into the playoffs. And now their roster doesn't look anything like that. And I think it's it's a very similar situation to the Milwaukee Brewers, where your team that had some magic at the end of the year last year and found themselves into the playoffs is no longer close to being assembled the way it was. So I this completely just popped in my head. I think the Angels are the winner of the offseason so far. Do you know why? Why? Well, Rendon, uh, Dylan Bundy, uh, uh, Julio Tehran, and Joe Madden as manager. There you go. That is huge. It's like when the Bucks signed uh, Mike Budenholzer. I was like, that is the man for the job. That is perfect. That is the man for the job. And I think that can't be understated how important that move is. So I'm going to, you know, just a little bit of retraction. The Angels are the number one winner. So that was a little bit longer than we expected it to be. That's okay. But it's still a good conversation. Yeah, definitely. A lot has happened in this offseason. I would be curious to go back in like a month or two and see where this has Do gone this again? in a yeah. month. But for now, I think that that was constructive and we want to hear from you as well like we said 1057 producers that's the twitter we want to hear from you maybe we'll post that in like the podcast question or something like that yeah because i think that that would open up a very interesting dialogue but for now we're going to move on from that we're going to take a little break we're going to come back with our favorite segment it's our top three moments from the fan this week and boy do we have some doozies for you we'll show you right after this all right welcome back it is Heffin' Dan on the fan, on demand. We have hands, and we are the mans because we have many friends. Yes, thank you. I just Trademark. extend it all that way. TM, work forgot that in the end. Work in progress. Copyright. Just like this podcast is a work in progress. Like the but, vine says, give me your fucking money. That's right. You remember, you've seen that one with the little kids? I have. Doll? Yes, yes, and yes. The, and then the law and order. Dun, 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 dun. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, anyway. Um... So this is our favorite segment Easily of the show the favorite. because we hardly talk and it is just great content. Not that the rest of our podcast isn't great content, but Listen, we, there's, there's a reason we don't get paid. The, well, we get paid the big bucks, but not the big bucks. Big and bucks. we're going to talk about the guys that get paid the big bucks and why they get paid the big bucks. And specifically, we'll start off with Wait, one. You, you got some G.E. What's that joker name? 
His name is Gary Ellerson. Former Packer and Badger running back. And Detroit Lions running back. So he's a little bit torn this week. No, he's not. He's a Packers fan. But he decided to do one of his reads, which is a Jewelry Center read. And we're big Jewelry Center people. With our friends Dean Murray. Yeah, Dean Murray, who's a great guy, I've heard. Mm -hmm. And all this. Wonderful jazz. And he's a great person, from what I've understood. And he sells a lot of rings. And you should go see him if you need to buy a ring or any sort of jewelry for your significant other. Dean, but, what's up? I'll sell myself for a sponsorship. Let's do this, baby. But uh, speaking of selling themselves for things, Gary, he uh, let's let's just say he had a little bit of a sexual innuendo in his read, and it got everybody on the big show laughing. It's also common sense to go to the jewelry center. Man, if you I hear a lot, lot of, of jokers getting down on their knees right now. During the holidays, huh? now I just talked to Dean Murray. Dean said, Gary, let him know. <laughs> Somebody needs to hit the damn huh button because huh? uh, huh, what was Gary talking about? Now, I have some clips saved from a couple days where I covered on the big show where uh, Gary, uh, the two clips he says, uh, well, I'll take my clothes off in a heartbeat because <laughs> that's a good one. And, uh, that's a good one. And then he's talking about, well, I'm not even going to tell you the context yet. He was just like, about a year or so ago, I, uh, I for the first time I had a guy do me. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you figure out the context for that one. Yeah, that was a good one, too. Now, moving on, we have a... Uh, so, I covered two days of Chuck and Winkler. And we got gold and, from and both, both of those days, days. We got some fantastic stuff. This was... Uh, it was the day before Christmas, so Christmas Eve. It's funny how that works. Uh, my brain didn't work there for a second. Uh, we were playing Christmas music all morning, and... Uh, Bart plays Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You, and let's just say Chuck... Well, you know, you know Chuck Freeman. I was banging Bill Clare. That's Bill. Let's just say he, uh, he's a fan of Mariah Carey. To smoke the Minnesota Vikings oh. and win the NFC North and do it in their home building. You know, the show was going great. I love when Vikings fans cry. Oh. It just makes me want to sing. I hate the Vikings so much. I want to punch Kirk Cousins in the nuts. It made my wish come true. The Green Bay Packers are Super Bowl bound. You know what I really hate when you do that? I hate when you sing. Why? It's all at the top I, of my head. I, just, I don't care. I hate when you sing on the radio. I do. You, well, I'm not like, yeah, yeah, I'm not just, like singing no. songs to audition for American Idol. I'm the, 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 coming up with witty parodies on the top of my head. I don't like singing on Which the radio. Which is why that was so bad. Yeah. Do you know uh, Evan's a young kid? He'll probably know this. You have no idea what's going on. This thing with Mariah Carey and Soldier Boy now. What's the, this? The mashup. I don't even know if I've heard. Oh wait, is it like a crank that and the? Yeah, this go, song? here's a sample. Wonderful. Good stuff. <laughs> God. Why did you wait till now to play that? Ah, uh, because I really just sobered up, honestly. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, Mariah. 
Love to see her naked someday. I wish she would do it like a. I would. What are you doing? Ah, what? What? What are you We're doing? We're back on the air. Well, I'm playing mashups. You're playing mashups. You're singing. So I just said. I mean, Mariah. If she posed naked in a magazine, you wouldn't look. Of course, I would. Love to see that. Absolutely, at 51 or whatever she is, she is rocking it. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, I don't look at naked ladies in a magazine. Because, hear me out, hear me out, hear me yeah, out. Yeah, just on your phone. No. <laughs> and all Chuck wants for Christmas is Mariah Carey. It's Mariah Carey. Which is funny because he shows Shannon off on social media so much. He does. But, but he's uh, he's slaying broads all day and playing disc golf player. Player. Huh. He's going to need some blue chew if he's going to want both of them in one day. Hey-o. Hey-o. And... Blue chew, give me money. My penis doesn't work. <laughs> and so... Yeah, he really likes Mariah Carey, but he really doesn't like Evan Havelfinger, according to this next clip. That's why I don't like the game betting purposes-wise, but I think Ohio State. It's hard It's hard to go against Ohio State just from watching them all year and just how much of a machine they are. I think Ohio State wins. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't put my life on it. Well, that's good. I'd put um, Evan, our producer's, bye, life bye. on it. Okay. Because he's okay with that. Will you put your hair on it? Well, I wouldn't put mine, but I put Evan's life on it because he doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter, he says. So it, it's safe to say that I'm still alive right now. Thank God for that. Well, well, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I can generally say that I'm excited to be alive. I may not show it. I may be slumped in my chair right now, but I would prefer if I was alive and not dead. Right. So, so how did that make you feel? Because the best part of this, let's add some context. So Evan was this, sitting right next yeah, to Chuck is, while he was saying this. 30 seconds before Bill's show starts. I'm sitting out there on the chair. I got done with all my work, so I was waiting for Bill's show to start because I was doing He's Joe's running the board today. for it. Right. So I was just sitting there waiting for the show to start. And, you know, it, it's like the third time the entire day Chuck acknowledged me, and he was just like, yeah, I'll bet his life. I don't care. I don't give a fucking shit. I don't care. And I'm just like, oh. So, th- you know. And then don't... I like my favorite part is the very end of that where he says, he told me that. So that that's that's a that's a long running joke. And it goes back to Anthony Mandela. Okay. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. He he's left not, us. He's not dead. He just he's dead to us because he left us. Yes. So it was a joke where, you know, some days he would just come and he'd be like, hey. I'm going to kill myself. That doesn't sound funny, but in the context, he's like, isn't it just a great day to kill yourself or something like that? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Bart. Let's do it. And so, you know, cause Bart has a good sense of humor. He'd play along with it. And then Chuck found out about it and ran the joke into the ground. Oof. Well, so joking about killing yourself, it's a very serious thing. It Don't, kill Don't do it for people that have suffered with depression. Like myself, it's, you know, you shouldn't joke about it. No. But that's the way that our generation deals with trauma and pain. We joke. Right. We all have very dark senses of humor. Yes. That is what the world has turned to. Chuck doesn't understand what he's talking about. No. Like, Player? one day I'm in, I go in for Bill's show and he's like, uh, hey, you didn't do the, you didn't kill yourself yet. I haven't made him in a couple of months, especially because Anthony left. I didn't have my partner in depression. <laughs> so, to say that. That was a shock to me while I'm sitting there waiting for the show to start is an understatement, <laughs> but I also laughed. And that's really and all that matters. That's good, because at least you got a little, little bit of context, and we're still laughing about it a little bit. Right. And I hope that everybody listening to this, mom, 
mom. <laughs> I hope that you got a laugh out of anything out of this podcast too. Because while we do like to be informational, we like to be entertaining. Right. And I think that at the and very still least, try to keep it at least a little bit family friendly. Today we went off the rails so a little bit. Once, but... once you told us to all to like you know go fuck ourselves uh, as Packer fans. <laughs> I decided that the rails were coming off. Yes, but okay. So this is how I'm going to end the podcast because okay. I went on my rant and I believe and truly, truly feel – I went back and listened to it because we had a little bit of time in between here. Sure. And I believe and truly feel everything that I said about Packers fans because there is a lot wrong with what you guys say and do in support or lack of support of your team. But – where I rip, I must also give kudos because for a market as small as Green Bay is, to have the fandom across the country and across the globe that the Green Bay Packers have, where literally every single Green Bay Packers fan will stop whatever they're doing in their day, in their Sunday, or Monday, or Thursday, or Saturday, or whenever the hell the Packers are playing. Right. To have a whole culture surrounded by a team where you will drop and stop anything to watch your team play, even if they are not a good football team, Mm -hmm. shows how devout of fans that you are. So I do know that even though you are idiots, you are idiots that care. And I think that that uh, that is something that not very many franchises can say, where... They are so successful solely because of their fans. There's only one franchise in the NFL that can say that, and that is the Green Bay Packers. So where you have plenty of downfalls, there are also several things that bring you up to being probably the number one fan base in the NFL. Now, also to be fair, every fan base has their their stinkers. And I think that... The reason that we see a lot of them is because they call into our station. They're the last. And the stinkers are going to call in no matter what. It's like when we do a Bucks post-game show and they lose. You're going to get way more calls than if the Bucks steamboat whoever they're playing. Like how they s- d- killed the Hawks tonight. Right. So when adversity comes, you're going to see more and more people show out. But I understand what you're saying. I also do think that every fan base can get like that. I, I think that generally Packer fans are optimistic because a lot of them are old enough to remember the 80s where they were god-awful. Right. And remember life before Brett Favre and Mike Holmgren or before Rodgers and McCarthy. They're old enough to remember those days. So the ones that we get calling in are probably the vocal minority. That's I what I hope. And I, I think that that's true. I, and I think that every fan base has that. Yes. Every fan base has that vocal minority that will come out of the woodworks when things get bad or when things aren't perfect. They're always going to find something to complain about because they can never be happy. The like, Remember when the Patriots went 16-0 and then went 18-1? Mm-hmm. I am sure that there were still some people that were complaining that year, despite the fact that Tom Brady threw 50 touchdown passes and Randy Moss... Caught twenty touchdown passes. Probably because, well, not only that. Before that game, during the regular season, they were probably complaining that they didn't have a good run game, or their defense wasn't where they wanted it to be. 
despite being undefeated. So, broad spectrum, don't be All, an idiot dumbass yeah, fan. Don't be a dumbass. <laughs> I feel like that's just good life advice. Don't be a dumbass. Do you want to title that the episode Don't Be a don't Dumbass? Don't be a dumbass. I like it. Let's do it. Don't be a dumbass, Milwaukee. Oh, there's our send up. There's our send up. At least for this episode. <laughs> At least we're for gonna, this episode. We're going to wrap it up right here. Uh, we'll be back next Friday, I believe, probably. I would say yeah. more likely than not we'll be back. Barring some crazy adventures. Maybe whatever. I'll die. Well, if it's up to Chuck, it'll be me. That's on Ohio State over Clemson tomorrow. Um, but we're going to end it right there. I think that this one probably went longer than we expected. Yeah, to, definitely. Just like how last week's went longer but than we expected. But that's okay. We but had this fun. Is, this is good content. So... For this week, for Dan Plucker, I'm Evan Heffelfinger. Don't be a dumbass, Milwaukee. Don't be a dumbass.